0: And so let me give you where we're going this morning uh, just to give you a little comfort level and being able to follow along this morning uh, as we work at trying to understand uh, Isaiah chapter 2 and how to apply that uh, in our lives. So uh, we're going to start out in Romans chapter 15. We're going to read one verse out of Romans chapter 15. It's going to be verse 4. And then we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 6 talk about that for a little bit and then we're going to go to 2nd chronicles that might be a little bit of challenge to find that's why in the bible they have a table of contents uh you know at the beginning um i remember when i first became a christian you know the pastor would come up and do exactly what i'm doing now and i'd be like oh i am just totally toast but um 2nd chronicles chapter 26 and then back back to isaiah uh this morning and so, uh, when we look at these Old Testament readings, I think it's, it's easy to say, uh, what's their purpose uh, in the life of, say, uh, a new Christian or a New, um, a new Testament Christian? You know, what's, what's the purpose of that? And so, that's where we come, by way of introduction, we're going to use uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4, because they... What, what Paul does is he, he helps explain to us uh, what the purpose of the Old Testament is and, and so that we can have an expectation in our heart towards receiving something this morning that the Lord would want us to receive. And thematically this morning, um, we're looking at what? What is the theme? Oh, you guys are brilliant. You know, you guys are awesome. And so thematically this morning, we're we're looking at hope. And the Lord has given us all of these Old Testament uh, historical events to help us to see how he works, how he, if we could use this phrase, how God does business. And out of that, we could learn his ways, and we can have what? We can have hope. And so take a look at, before we pray, take a look at Romans chapter 15, verse 4 with me this morning. Paul writes this. He says, for whatever was written in the former days, and so he's pointing uh, he's pointing us back to the Old Testament. He says, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. And so all of these um, Old Testament events and, and uh uh, our, our brother Chris both, you know, the, like the excellent job he did in telling us about like 1500 kings in like a minute. You know, that that is for our instruction that through endurance, in other words, through perseverance, through endurance or perseverance, and through the encouragement that we see how God has acted in the past, we may have hope for the present. And so when we look at the Old Testament, and, and uh, we're going to look at this King Uzziah without giving it away too much, and you look at this obscure king from the Old Testament, and, 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 and sometimes it makes your head spin a little bit, like, well, why? And the answer to that is that we're going to see th- some things in his life, And how the prophet Isaiah responded to that, that are going to give us hope for today. And so each time we go through the Old Testament narratives, and each time we look at these, um, one of the patriarchs, or look at David, or look at one of the kings of Israel, they're all designed to say, hey, this is how the Lord works, and this is your life, and you can have hope knowing that that's the way. The Lord works. And so let's pray, and while we're praying, find your way to Isaiah chapter 6 this morning. So Father, we thank you for this morning. We just uh, invite you to come and to speak into our hearts and our lives this morning, and we hope and we know that you will birth something new in our hearts to encourage us as we persevere pursuing Christ in our life. And so we come to Isaiah chapter 6, significant event in the life of Isaiah, and we look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, and when King Uzziah died, there was a crisis in the midst of Israel, and there was a crisis in the heart of Isaiah. And there's similar crises in our life where someone of power and authority and significance either falls from sin or leaves this earthly life and there's a void or there's um, situations in vocation where a boss does us wrong and we try to process through that. And so people have difficulties, and Isaiah is in the midst of one of these crisis points in his life because the king has just died. So let's learn a little bit about that king and come back to Isaiah 6 because then we'll be going to begin to understand what in this Old Testament narrative is important to us. And so come to, what was it, Second Chronicles somewhere way back in the dusty... <laughs> Everyone, of, our New, of our Old Testament. So we're in 2 Chronicles, chapter 26. And look at this king, okay? Look at, the, look at this king and who he was, and we can start out in verse 3. It says, Uzziah was how old? It tells us he was 16 years old when he, became, when he became king and he began to reign. And he reigned for how many years? 50. You guys are brilliant Bible scholars. He reigned for 52 years. Now that is significant. He reigned for 52 years. And he was a good king. Why was he a good king? Take a look at verse 4. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amazai had done. Verse 5. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him what? God made him prosper. And so immediately you can can begin to make these applications to our life, to our own lives. That prosperity and God's favor is not really dependent upon our, our, our intellect or the strength of our arm, it's dependent upon godliness and conforming, conforming our heart to the things of God and God working in us and bringing godly character. How many people have you known in the business world or in the military or, or you know, in school who were average in, say, technical ability, but excelled in character. They were trustworthy. And those that try to cut corners, well... And so this king was trustworthy, and he had been trained by the prophet Zechariah in the things of the word of God, and out of that flowed God's favor and God's prosperity in his life. We see that in verse 6. He went out and made war against the Philistines and broke through the wall of Gath, and God gave him victory after victory in his day. Why? Because he was faithful. He was faithful to the word of God. He was loyal to God. We can see again in verse 11. Moreover, Uzziah had an had amazing soldiers. The Bible calls them men of valor. And so he was a great leader of men that were loyal and willing to give up their lives for the sake of serving under this godly king. But something happened. Something happened in his heart. We see that in verse 16. But when he was what? Strong. But when he was strong, he grew what? What does Proverbs say? 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a Haughty spirit before the fall. And so when he was at his peak, when he was full of strength, Scripture goes on and tells us, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. What's the big deal? He's the king. (laughs) <laughs> it's not his job it wasn't his calling see they're, they're, the priests were responsible for leading in worship not the king but he became proud and said oh no I'll do that and all the priests did what oh don't go there Probably said, dude, dude, don't go there. It's not gonna go good for you. And we see the flaws that come out of, of a man that was godly, of great leadership. He failed, he failed to listen to the counselors that God had put around him. And he became, text goes on, he became. Emboldened, verse, new Bibles, pages stick together. says so then Uzziah was angry and he had the censor to say, what was he angry about? Because he was angry because he was told what? No. And we all know what that's like, right? I know what that's like. When Edward gets told, no, you can't do that. You know what Edward does? Edward goes, oh, yes, I will. I'll find a way. And Nancy goes, no, you won't. You'll pay dearly for that. Say, oh, I got to find a way. And that evil old man in me just kind of I said, I can't be told no. But you know, if you can't be told no, you can't be trusted. If you can't if, if you can't be led, you can't lead. And he assumed a place that wasn't his. For there's only one person that was king and priest and prophet. Only one. And he is our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Uzziah went in against counsel, offered incense to the Lord, and the Lord hammered him, broke out in leprosy, and he couldn't wait to get out of there. That's what the scriptures tell us. And he died in disgrace, and he died in obscurity, Come back to Isaiah chapter 6. In the year, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, what might have been going through Isaiah's head at the time? I can tell you what would be going through my head. Will God be faithful? Are Are we just done in? The king's been disciplined by the Lord? The throne is empty. Will God still bless? There would be uncertainties and questions about what's next. In the year King Uzziah died, and here's the answer. Grace intervenes. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah Says this, I saw the Lord. I saw, in the Hebrew, I saw Adonai. I saw the throne was empty. The human throne was empty. But I saw Adonai, the one of all authority. Adonai means authority, and Adonai means power. Even though the human throne was empty, God was still on his throne. God was still powerful. God was still sovereign. God was still moving. God was still, as Isaiah tells us, sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and then above him were these wild creatures going back and forth. And I saw it. I saw it, and I, I said to me, Woe is me, for I am a man. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, I have seen Adonai. These things were written for our benefit. To know this, that in the world and in our situations in life, the throne of man may be empty and impotent and ineffective, but our God reigns on his throne and he is sovereign and he is powerful and he will never abandon his throne and his power and his purposes in our life. That is the lesson. See, those kings, the kings of, of Judah, the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, Those kings thought that, oh, we'd go on forever. Did they go on forever? No, what happened in 586? The northern kingdom, the ten northern tribes, oh, we'll go on forever. What happened in 722? See, all men, all governments, think that they are going to last forever, but there's only one throne that lasts forever, and his throne is for everlasting and everlasting Think about history. Did Egypt think they would last forever? I'm going to do a little Baptist preaching here, so you've got to get into it a little bit. Did, did Egypt think they would last forever? Yeah. No. Yes. Did they? No. There you go. There you go. Yes, no, yes, no. Then I'll start singing and you'll go like, get out, we're out of here. So, when you, <laughs> so, you know, when you, look, when you look at history, Egypt thought they'd last forever. When Assyrian, the Assyrians came through in 721, 722, did they think they would last forever? Yes. Did the Babylonians think they'd last forever? Yes. yes. Did the Greeks and the Romans yes. think they'd last forever? Yes, they did, but there's only one throne that lasts forever. That's the lesson to learn. Did Germany under Hitler think he would prevail and last forever? Did his access with the Japanese think that they would last forever? Did Russia think they'd last forever? Does China think today that they'd last forever? Does the United States think that they'd last forever? There's only one throne that will last forever. Come to our text today, that's, that's a very long introduction, <laughs> but come to Isaiah chapter 2. We'll look at a couple concepts about this aspect of, of history, and countries that think they'll last forever, and kind of give a little insight, and then we'll deal with Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 5, devotionally. There's two things that we can see in our text here that say require a little bit of explanation, but they also help us understand how God works and why he's given us this passage in the Old Testament. We look at Isaiah chapter two, it says, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, then he introduces two concepts. Said it'll come to pass in the latter days. Now, the latter days is a technical term, And it refers to the first advent of Christ, right? And the what? Second advent of Christ. During those two poles between his first advent and the second advent, we are living in what? The latter days, the last days. And so it speaks to to a season of conflict between his first coming and his second coming. The mountain of the Lord refers to the millennial reign of Christ, Take a look at the text. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above all the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways that we may walk in his paths. And what Isaiah is trying to unpackage for us is that Within this narrative, is that is that history is repeatable, and it's also linear. So history is repeatable. That's why we see, that's why we see Egypt fall, Judah fall, Israel fall, Assyrians fall, Babylonians fall, Greeks, Romans fall, Germany, Russia. China will have its day. US may have its day sooner than it wants. All nations repeat the same sinfulness and therefore become corrupt. And so history is repeatable. And so when we look at when we when we look at history and we look at culture, there's things that history and culture are always going to repeat, which is when 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 kings and rulers and authorities fall away from godliness, they incur the wrath of God and no nation is exempt from that. But it's also linear in that all those nations are pointing to one thing that's to come. And that's the millennial reign of Christ where all nations will come. All nations will come and teach. And so what... What the hope is, is that in the midst of whatever culture we find ourselves in, there's a repetition of fallenness when leaders and rulers and kings and government officials fall away from godliness. There's an outcome to that, but the Christian always has what? Hope. Because all things are leading leading to the millennial reign of Christ, and no matter who is on the earthly throne are not god is always on his throne and is always working on the behalf of his people that's why the christians in afghanistan this morning they have are the are the impoverished beaten house church pastors in china They have hope because they are tethered to a different kingdom and a different king who's lord of lords and what? King of kings. And so the lessons that we draw out of Isaiah, they bring hope to us. And they bring hope to many, many parts of the world that are under oppression and persecuted and going through great difficulties because they know that Isaiah saw the Lord. He was, that in the day that Uzziah, the king, died, Isaiah saw the Lord, Adonai, all authority and all power, and he was high and lifted up, In his train filled the temple. And Isaiah's response is, woe is me. Let's look at, this passage that we've been given this morning, and just reflect, reflect upon the five aspects that we see here that produce hope in our life. We could look at verse 1, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. God speaks always, and hope hears. And so in the midst of the difficulties that you're facing in life, in the, midst of, in the midst of the calamities that will come and go, God always wants to speak to us. He wants to speak words of hope and love and affection and purpose in our life. That's the Romans eight twenty eight thing from the New Testament. And so Isaiah is in the midst of a problem, and God is speaking to him. Same thing in our life. Look at verse 2. God is the sovereign king. Verse 2. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up, all poetic language here, shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Because God is sovereign in the midst of all of our life, we can trust him. Because his throne will never go unoccupied. And so we can trust in a sovereign God To order our life. How about verse 3? God teaches his word. God teaches through his word. Verse 3 And people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways. Which is the purpose of all these narratives, to bring hope into our heart, knowing how God works. Verse 4 God is righteous and just, he shall judge between the nations. And he shall decide disputes for many people because God is righteous and just. Hope rests. Before the Supreme Court in the coming weeks, they're going to decide on Roe versus Wade. They're going to make a judgment. I hope the judgment is to recognize the error of their ways and the horror seeing hundreds of thousands of babies done away with. Shall I rail against that, that injustice? Or will I rest and hope that no man escapes the justice of God? One position is unsettled and angry, and the other is a complete trust that God is sovereign, And he will execute justice and no man will escape that justice. Hope rests in his sovereignty, in his power, his ability to execute all plans because he is all wise, full of wisdom. Verse five, God directs, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. God directs and hope, because we trust in his intervention in history as we've seen in the Old Testament we can walk in his ways and so how can we wrap this up today how do we live in the light of these truths the first one I'd say to you is is live in the Messiah's reign right now trust him have hope step into who you are in Christ reject the old man Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Make a choice. I have to do it? I'm so glad I didn't hear any comments there. <laughs> like, praise the Lord. How often do you do it? Every day. Every day. But if we walk in who we are in Christ, we will see his rule and his reign and his glory in our midst. And he will use us. He will use us, and it'll bring joy to your heart. Nancy and I, we were in in Somerville yesterday. It's kind of where I grew up. It's like Babylon, you know. I was like, "Oh, I can get out of here." It's like in Somerville, is any good come out of Somerville? The answer to that is no. <laughs> I know you were born in Somerville, but God can redeem one, maybe two. And we were talking to this guy, you know, this this guy we had never met before. We'd never met this guy before, and and everybody likes Nancy. You know? Everybody talks to her, you know. Doesn't matter who they are. It's like a magnet. Talk to me. Talk to me. I'm friendly. And so this guy begins talking to us, and he, and he just he just mentions, oh, my wife has cancer. And I was, you know, I was, I was ready to say, just about ready. right about here. How can I pray for you? It's, he's a pastor. He, he's a pastor. He can pray for you. And I was like, whoa. Where'd she come from? And the guy goes, Really? He, and he takes out. This now. Is this more truthful than the nine or eight thirty? Accurate. Accurate. Okay, great. So I just <laughs> sometimes I tell stories, you know, and you get evangelistically speaking, and <laughs> so immediately, this guy pulls out his cell phone. Pulls out his cell phone, and he goes, "My wife's name is Stephanie." And she's in Washington, D.C. right now at the National Cancer Institute because she has, inoper- she has brain cancer and, and, and we eventually see the huge scar. And he goes, and he goes, Stephanie, I have a pastor here that's willing to pray for you and gives me his phone And I say, hi, Stephanie, can I pray for you? We pray in the name of Jesus. God will use you if you step into his rule and reign in your life. Because the earthly throne may be empty, but our God's throne is never empty. Order your life after God's truth in his ways today. And if you do that, you'll have joy. And you will experience Adonai, the one that's all-powerful, the one that has all authority working through in in your life. What lessons are there from the Old Testament? Hundreds, maybe even a thousand about God's intervention. God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Our country is, in some ways, it's just, there's no way, well, there's a Greek word, here it is, our country is kind of whacked out. But we, are, we have a different king. We answer to a different authority. And we can make a difference. Hope speaks. Grace speaks. And because we hope, we listen to a good God who wants to use us to advance his kingdom. Could it be a different advent for you this year? I bet it can be. I hope Stephanie and her three-year-old daughter that was sitting next to her and her husband experience Jesus. Amen. Let's close by sharing the Lord's table this morning.